Does this include a gratuity? Yes, sir. Call me by my dream name. And she tried to sit on my lap while I was standing up. Mommy. Mommy, why does that girl keep telling me I shouldn't go there? I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Hello and welcome to the Semi-Cinematic Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is John. My name is Max. All right, this week our main review is of... Now, John, do you want to take this? Do you want to say the director's name? (laughs) (laughs) I thought you might uh, invite me to (laughs) this. Um, Hirokazu Koraida. Oh, that's... That was amazing. Very strong. Well done. Surprisingly effective. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, so this is his film, Still Walking. But luckily for everyone, we have more exciting things to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) All right, right, starting with our recently watched segment and ending with, uh, I think Max is going to have a heck of a stand pick. And John has a free... You better. And John has a free dream stream you'll wish you had paid for. And (laughs) I have a predictably ugly... Lacking in warmth and wholesomeness, bleak of the week that I think you guys are really going to like. But let's get into what we've been watching recently, and let's start with John. Okay, so um, still knocking out some 2021 films for my um, for my top ten of last year, which should be done by Easter. <laughs> uh, one really great one, and one. I really did not like, but it's kind of fun how much I didn't like it. So uh, the one I really liked was The Last Duel, 2021, mm. directed by Ridley Scott. Um, kind of a medieval Rashomon, in a way. And uh, I didn't have, I kind of had lukewarm expectations going in, which maybe was good. I, I feel like sometimes you have such high expectations that you really can't live up to them with whatever you see you're still gonna be a little disappointed but uh i wasn't sure how good this was going to be but i was really impressed um all the way through i think it's um i think performances are good i think uh, i don't know it's um yeah i i could see how the performances might not work for everyone but for me they did I uh, I like how it's obviously told from three different perspectives, like Rashomon is, um, like the same story from three different individual perspectives. And I also like how three different writers wrote separately wrote each perspective. So you're getting a different voice. I think that's more effective than one person writing all three. Um, mm. I really like that. Yeah, I, I was. It's it's. My only five star for 2021 so far. It's my second favorite film because I really liked Come On, Come On so much. I think it's more of a um, heartwarming experience. So I'm going to give a four and a half, the number one over a five for now. But all in all, I thought it was a really great, um, probably underseen film. I I had a bit of a, like a pretty, actually a pretty solid bust at the box office. But. Yeah, I was really impressed, and I think I watched it mostly because uh, Max really liked it, right? Yeah, I think it was, was one of my watches from last week. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I gave me a, like the and I saw it was on HBO, so I was like, let me give it a shot, and I got into it pretty quickly. Um, not the biggest Affleck fan, I thought he did a really good job too. I felt like it's just it's it's so interesting seeing the same story from different perspectives and how. Things uh, are either warped by the narrator of that side of a story, or this is subtle differences in perception. It's just a really interesting um, look at things, mm-hmm. and just a interesting um, look at what a woman's role is like in that 
time period. Uh, yeah. So that was great. Really enjoyed that. And then a film that you both really enjoyed that I thought was pretty much <laughs> trash is uh, James Wan's Malignant, also from 2021. Uh, I thought this film had basically no logic, didn't give a shit about <laughs> logic or anything. Um, I thought there were some cool ideas. Like I remember uh, we talked in text a little bit about the uh, the jail scene, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I do like the reveal of the twist. I don't want to give it away because it's it's a really it's a cool little thing. Um, I think through home video or is it research video? Yeah, like at that one at a hospital when they're when the main character is a kid. That mm-hmm. stuff was cool, but I just felt like so much just didn't have any not even believability. It just it just kind of did whatever it wanted, and there was no real structure for me. I thought the script was pretty weak. Um, performances were pretty. I mean, the, like the main actress was pretty good. It just did not work for me. I don't. I don't think I've ever or at least in a long time, called anything trash. I don't even like when people do that, but that was the first word that came to mind after watching this. So mm. I, I kind of, I'm kind of curious what you both liked so much about it to give it fours out of five, if I can inquire. Yeah. Well, I, I think the entertainment value is pretty high. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, I, I wouldn't... Um, a movie like this where they're kind of like, uh, you know, it's a throwing everything at the kitchen. Is that this phrase? Throwing everything at the kitchen sink? Everything but the kitchen sink. Maybe. Everything but oh. the kitchen sink. <laughs> what yeah. was the phrase I'm looking for? <laughs> I was throwing everything <laughs> at the wall. Yeah, yeah see what's the next kind of thing? Yeah. I, I wouldn't fault uh, the movie's uh, logic for just what I think it's trying to do, which is just kind of like a popcorn movie um i don't know i i thought it was really fun and i love the like the action scenes i think are amazing mm-hmm. and i uh i actually didn't know this but the gabriel is um is done practically by a contortionist like oh that's cool CG, which i think is yeah, pretty cool. amazing um but no i just thought it was really entertaining i mean i i think from the line, let's cut the cancer out. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like I, I'm into this. I don't know what this is going to be, but mm-hmm. I just know it's just going to be kind of cheesy and fun. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, it, it started out just pretty, pretty brutal of like the over the top kind of like soap opera and like the the constant playing of the like dramatic version of where is my mind or whatever the, the pixie song. Oh, I hated that uh, too, because it's so overused. Where is my mind? I mean, I thought it sounded pretty good, but it's just, you know, we've talked about this before, how, how often that's used in movies. <laughs> but then, um, no, I, the scene, I mean, I don't know. It came out a while. Like it's, it's, it's 2022. We can spoil it. <laughs> there's the woman that gets captured that you don't know who it is, and she's in that you know that attic space or whatever that that you know that with the fan and everything and right and you're not sure how it connects and everything and then she falls through the through the ceiling of of the main actress's house, um and you're like oh snap like she was in this per- she was in her house like this is crazy, and then it's it all starts kind of clicking of like who Gabriel is and you know it, it, you know it's I, I don't know like after that point. It was just kind of wild. And then, yeah, like the jail scene and just, yeah, it, it, I think like Hunter touched on it. Like it's just, it's just like that entertainment value um, was there for me after, you know, in, in that second half. And just like, it was like, I'm having a blast watching this thing. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stand by my four. Uh, it looks like, it's kind of, um, you know, it's like, a, I think, a 3.2 on Letterboxd, but it's a lot of, like, fours and a lot of two and a half twos. So it's probably just a polarizing, depends on the viewer kind of thing, where it works for some people and work, doesn't work for others. Um, 
I mean, there's certainly films that aren't believable that I've really enjoyed. I just didn't, some didn't work for me. I'm kind of, it's been kind of, I, with James Wan, I really like The Conjuring and I like Saw. I really didn't like this one. And there's another one from the late 2000, like 2008 or something that I really didn't like. Oh, um, Dead so, Silence? Yeah, yeah. That was the no, two star for terrible. Me. Ooh. So, <laughs> very hit or miss. But, you know, I, I would give another one of his films a try if it has, like, you know, decent to good reviews because horror is such a hard thing to judge based on critic response. It can really yeah. be. It's the most far away from accurate as far as, like, a star rating, average star rating to the individual review. And um, other than that, the only other thing I watched is I rewatched um, La Aventura from 1960, directed by Michelangelo Antonioni. It's a classic, um, a very solid four star for me. I kind of wanted to see if I could get up to a four and a half or a five. It's still a four. It's um, very mysterious, not only in the plot, but also in kind of the characters and what they're thinking and emoting on screen. It's, it's kind of a, hard film to read at times but i like that about it um and it's just beautifully shot i kind of watched it because uh monica Vitti, one of the stars passed away a couple days ago and she's great it's just a really it's a, such a classic and definitely worth a watch the whole trilogy um that this is the first of is worth a watch if you haven't experienced it but um it's good to watch it again it just looks so good and um I don't know. It's just interesting. There's a lot of stuff that um, films do to kind of show how characters are feeling in a certain moment that this film doesn't give you that. It kind of, it's very um, withholding and kind of lets you figure out things for yourself. And that's what I watched this week. Yeah, I really want to watch La Aventura. I I haven't seen it in a long time, but... um... I love Antonioni's direction. I don't always love his his writing, but um, I went on a little bit of an Antonioni kick a few years ago, and I watched uh, Red Desert and I think La Note. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. That's the middle of the um, trilogy, and yeah, Red Desert's like right after. I love that. That era is really, I think, prime Antonioni for sure. Yeah. But no, he's he's definitely a great director. Yeah, and that's all you've got? That's all I've got. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about just one movie for recently watched. I rewatched uh, Dario Argento's The Stendhal Syndrome. And the first hour is like top tier Argento. It's amazing. Now, there there are some pretty horrendous visual effects. I think Argento <laughs> and, and CGI... <laughs> It's just a bad, a bad pair. But um, the the last hour is uh, also is a, is a little messy, and it feels a, a over long. There are still some great moments in it, and this feels like the last time he was really like aiming high, like he was really trying to make a great movie. And this is one of the movies that he directed that his daughter, uh, I believe it's Asia Argento, is the star of. Yeah, and. I think this is her best role of any of the times she's worked with uh, Dario. And this is also scored by Ennio Morricone, and the score is amazing. And this is probably his most... It's probably his most disturbing movie. Like, I I could see this being a difficult movie to watch for some people. Um, But I think it's definitely worth checking out. It is streaming on Mubi right now. Oh, nice. Um, What, What year did this come out? Uh... It's late. It, like it m- might be like ninety six. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it's worth checking out. But yeah, it is over long. I mean, it's two hours. It should probably be an hour and forty minutes. But uh, there's some really great stuff in it, though, for sure. All right. Well, we are moving on to our review. And uh, John, can you say that wait. last name? Oh wait, did yeah. Max. Else? What about Max? Yeah. Oh wait, did Max? Did you see? Did you do your recently watched? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I mean, I, we could, yeah. I mean, one of one was worth mentioning. The other one, yeah, I don't know. But I'll, I'll let I'll let the listeners decide which is which. Um, 
<laughs> but no, my I, I've got two. Um, the first was uh, 1956's The Wrong Man, uh, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, uh, starring Henry Fonda, Vera Miles, and uh, I. I don't know why this was in my watch list, and I think it just it, it was streaming uh, this month. And get that wonderful letterboxed email of, of all the new movies that are on streaming platforms for the new month. And I um I really like this just from a, you know watchability, but then I it's it's kind of an odd Hitchcock movie. It's a little bit of a, a different um, genre. There's still like you know the suspense and and the you know solid direction. I really liked Henry Fonda's performance. Um, and I, I liked the direction that they took his wife's character's story. Um, but I, I thought it was kind of improved by the fact that I, I from what I understand, this was, a, this was a true story that Alfred Hitchcock um, was inspired by and, and, and was why he picked this to direct. And so I think knowing that um, made it definitely more entertaining. And there's, uh, there's plenty of kind of anti... Um, or distrust of police sentiment in this one. Uh, it's, it's pretty compelling. Um, and pretty believable too, just in this era of, you know, no cell phones or (laughs) things like any kind of technology that could easily disprove, um, someone's story. And so that, yeah, that was the one, um, I like that one a lot. It's it's on um, it's still on TCM. If you have that, and want to catch it? You know, it's almost never streaming because I've been trying to watch that for a while, and it's been very hard to find. It's one of the few like prime era Hitchcock that I haven't seen, so I gotta check it out while it's still there. Because I've been like trying to watch like complete like at least like the post nineteen thirty late nineteen thirties Hitchcock, and it's almost never streaming. So I gotta get on that. Yeah, no, I, I think I put on my watch list, I mean, probably two years ago at this point. And yeah, this was the first time I, I had noticed it streaming somewhere. So I, I am grateful for those wonderful notifications. So Oh, it, it's a great email, absolutely. <laughs> it, just gets me, it just gets me pumped up. Um, so that was the first watch. And then the second watch was just an absolute classic. Um, 2003's How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going for peak cinema here. Um, and this is this is one of the benefits of uh, being married and, you know, going through your recommendation of, you know, after being asked, what do you want to watch tonight? And listing off what you think are, you know, some pretty solid movies. And then when you stumble upon you know, how to lose a guy in 10 days, that being the one that you land on. Um, it kind of feels like recommending a lot of great restaurants and then, I don't know, landing <laughs> on like Tijuana flats or something where, yeah. you know, you're not mad about it cause it's still whatever. It's still good food, but you don't feel great. Um, <laughs> and this was, this was firmly one of those movies Overall, I gave it a three. It was, you know, in terms of early 2000s rom-coms, it was pretty fun. And I, I liked the concept of kind of a, what is that saying? Like an immovable object, an unstoppable force, like meeting each other. Is this Hudson and, and McConaughey? Yeah. So the basic premise is that um, Matthew, Maddie is trying to land like a advertising account and um he to to do so he makes a bet with his boss that he can convince you know any woman in this particular bar uh to fall in love with him and at the same time there's uh kate hudson her character is trying is writing an article about what not to do how to lose a guy in 10 days and she's you know there's a bet that, you know, she'll pick one random guy in this bar and try to lose him. So, yeah, you know, so just a, a classic tale as old as time. Uh, <laughs> and it did have a very enjoyable scene where they've gone on a date and they're leaving. 
and Matthew McConaughey is, you know, on his balcony from afar, you know, he kind of whispers to himself, oh, you are already falling in love with me. And then it cuts to Kate Hudson, who goes, I'm going to make you wish you were dead. Oh, wow. <laughs> and whispering to themselves, you know, they're not, they're not saying this out loud, but that was, <laughs> that was fun. So, again, um, uh, oh, it's not streaming anywhere. So, I'm sorry, you're out of luck if you wanted to watch that one. <laughs> you got to really uh, want it. <laughs> yeah, if you want to pony up the, the $3 to Tim Apple, um, I guess you can do so, but... <laughs> Those were, um, yeah, a little bit of a you know a mixed bag there for for release for recently watched, um, and yeah, I'm not going to answer what was you know the great one and what was the not, not so great one. <laughs> it's open to interpretation. Yeah, you know, all all sides. J.J. Abrams. Well, Max, I uh, I do apologize. I I don't think I've ever. Have I ever have I skipped somebody before? I'm sure it's was, happened. I think that was the first time. Well, and maybe, I'll, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, don't know. I think Boy. I skipped John once. I think I skipped John in an earlier episode. That feels familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. is there is there anything else before we move on to reviewing uh, this film? Uh, no. Okay. Good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, John, can you say the director's name real quick? Is it Corita? Corita? <laughs> Corita? It is. It is. Um, oh man, Hirokazu Koraida. All right. So he had been directing documentaries <laughs> and narrative films. Doesn't say it. I love it. All right. Continue. <laughs> All right. So he had been directing documentary uh, and narrative films since 1989. Which you would think he would all that experience would have uh, paid off with a more interesting film than Still Walking, but <laughs> not all directors improve as time goes on. <laughs> but uh, Ebert, he declared this fella to be the heir to Ozu, and I think there's an obvious uh, Ozu influence on the movie. Um, now, John, absolutely, yeah, I agree. All right, you selected yeah. this uh, this feature. You want to go ahead and, and guess, Roland? Yeah. Um... So I've seen two of his films, Koroida's films before this. Both are more recent, um, After the Storm 2016 and Shoplifters 2018, which got some pretty good buzz at the time, even here. And those are both like top 150s for me. This one is a similar style. Like they're all very, all three are very Otsu style which i usually really love and i I didn't dislike this film i I liked it but i didn't get as invested as i did with the other two films um i don't i think i was on a it was a week where i was kind of i might have still been on that malignant (laughs) hate and uh i was kind of being a little bit more critical and for what or whatever mood i was in when i watched this it wasn't as effective um Things I did like, um, I loved the uh, the the gruffness of the grandpa. Yet he, he likes that little corn fritter thing, and that kind of pops him out of his hiding. Um, mm-hmm. He's very antisocial, and it's kind of just hard to, uh, you know, he he's just he's just kind of a tough guy to. He's not cozy, you know. Um, the grandma in this film, I think, is great. I've seen her in a few other films. She's just a great actress. Um, this is a really interesting portrayal of grief in this film. Um, just the way she acts, the the fact that they invite this—he's a uh, you know a young man now, um, but was a kid. Um, he was, this kid, this guy was saved as a kid from drowning by their one of their sons who died in saving the kid and they invite him every year um on the anniversary of his death and they know that the, that the young guy feels so bad but they continue to invite him it's kind of like a penance for um him quote causing the loss of their son mm-hmm. um there's some like really kind of um I don't know what you'd call it, like just like these subtle shots 
where Corey Eda will leave like he just takes a still shot of a of a drawer that's been taken out that has I think it has photos in it and like some flowers and water. It's just like very effective minimalism in his direction, and I do really appreciate that. Um, I will say that all three Corey Eda films that I've watched at the end, I cried at the end. I think that the ending of this film is probably the most powerful part of it. Um, I think you get this familiarity with the characters and the family and you kind of like settle in. He's very family driven in his films from the ones that I've seen. And there's this poignancy of what happens at the end that really just kind of, you know, if you are a sensitive person that it might get to you and it definitely got to me. And that kind of redeemed the film a little bit for me at the end. Um, from a decent watch to like a little bit more than decent, but it, it is a very um, minimalist film, and I could see where it, it could get, uh, you know, honestly, a little boring for viewers who are not in the mood or like need like a lot of plot or action to keep them invested. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this would be a good film to introduce you to this director. But I would not give up on this director if this is the only one you've seen. There's definitely some really real gems that are a little bit more. There's a little bit more going on in the other two that I've seen. And I think they're really great. Um, but yeah. Oh, one other th- weird thing. Um, the audio in this. Um, it's that spatial audio that's going on now. Like It's more prevalent. There were noises going. I thought they were like in my house in a different room, and it was the film. It was really dynamic audio that was really kind of shocking to me. <laughs> I would hear like like a clatter of a pan in the, when they're in the kitchen, and it would sound like it was in my house. And I would pause it, and it was not in my house. So um, I thought that was interesting that the the sound design is so um, tricky, but. Uh, yeah, I, I just, it's a film that you, it's hard to have a lot to say because it's not a lot of plot. It's just kind of, you're kind of like thrown into this family and what they're dealing with. And it's a pretty gentle experience for the most part. Yeah, and Max, uh, what were your first impressions or kind of overall thoughts? Interesting. No, no. Um... <laughs> <laughs> interesting wild times i'm like talking <laughs> oh, was, oh okay it was muted it was muted i um so that was fun no talking no talking yeah, now I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm giving my thoughts and then like oh all right we'll let that out um no uh yeah it it, it sounds like I had uh, probably, I mean, probably going to be a similar view as John. I think, I think the two of us probably liked it more than Hunter did. <laughs> Sounds uh, like it, yeah. And it was, I mean, I will say, like, it took a little bit to kind of like figure out or understand like what I was going to, you're kind of getting into, and then there's like that realization of like, oh, okay, this is just kind of like almost like a home movie that we're watching, where again, you watch one of those, there's no plot, there's no anything it's just kind of this visual capture of of a you know a time a day a, a, a day in the life and i i thought it was yeah john like you mentioned like the corn fritters and i thought it was interesting how like prevalent food was in the movie and just like the different meaning of food and like oh remember when we used to eat these together or you know, remember, like, this used to be so-and-so's favorite food. Or, and I I don't know how much of that is, like, is like, a cultural thing or if it's just, like, you know, more so universal when you think about, you know, growing up and, like, what your family used to do, what your, you know, different meals that your family would make and, and gather around. And so, I, I don't know. I kind of I kind of like, you know, not the food itself, but just the exploration of, other customs and family traditions, the, and the, like the things that were like important to this family of like, you know, bring the melon and you know, all the care that went into this melon all, you know, only for it to be like brought into the backyard, just like smashed pieces. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like it's like because yeah. i mean like he's in the bathtub with it and like you know cooling it down and yeah. anyway so i like that and from a technical standpoint i i was i i read something about how if you notice like you know the camera never moves um once it's kind of set it's just set in place until, until the next scene and i think there's only like two maybe three scenes where it does move you know, or, or pan over, and and when it does so, um, it's 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 more significant. And I, the one I think is at the end when they're in the graveyard. Um, yeah, a couple of years later, but just more like an interesting thing of like once you read it and then you're then you're looking for it, you're like, oh, this you know this is kind of like the forcing your perspective as the viewer to just kind of take in this scene. Versus, you know, kind of directing, um, you know, you having the attention, you know, of, well, I'm not I'm trying to say there, like, it being more dynamic and kind of jumping from, like, person to person or, you know, like, quick cuts, things like that to make a dialogue scene more engaging. Um, rather than doing that, it's just, like, putting you in the room and just like, hey, you're going to watch this play out, which, you know, again, it's... Not always the most fun, um, but I, John, you mentioned like you know bringing the the uh, kid or the young man back, and I I like how that kind of um, unravels, and you're not quite sure like because they don't really explain why he's there other than like he's just been invited every year and he and he's there. And then they kind of ask him some questions, and and the younger son notices like his socks are dirty. And they're you know, they're just kind of making you know, making fun of him, and it's just like super uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it is the viewer of like, man, this poor guy, like this sucks for him. And then as he's leaving, they they talk about how like yeah, like we do this on purpose, like we want him to feel bad for essentially killing our son. Um, is kind of how it seems like they view it, and yeah. they you know they want to make sure that like if he's not living his life to the fullest. Or at least to their expectations that like they want to make him you know feel that, and I think the grandma says or the mom says like it's like her form of vengeance, um, yeah. and I you know that that's so that that's definitely interesting to me, and I like that ties into uh, a note that I made of there's really no emotion in this, but they say some really hurtful things, um, and it's just like like it's like, like this casual cruelty. Um, because, you know, the older son is, uh, he, he's married, but she was a widow, right? She wasn't divorced. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the grandma earlier on makes a, a, a comment that it's almost worse that she's a widow rather than divorced. Cause at least like, you know, if she was divorced, it means she didn't like her husband. Um, and a widow just means like she was, you know, she was still in love with someone else and, I th- is it the grandpa or the grandma that like calls her like a used model? That's the grandma, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she does not hold back. I mean, uh, you know, of all the um, strong female mom grandma characters that have been pretty harsh, she's I think the most likable we've experienced so far with with that harsh edge. But mm-hmm. she she still like it is very. Ooh, she does not hold back at all. She's not afraid to say exactly what she's thinking, nice or not. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just, yeah. Like you're saying, matter of fact, and I mean, just like some brutal stuff that, like, in a, in a, I guess, in an American film, you know, you're not hearing that until, I don't know, the, the, you know, there's an argument that's been playing out for five minutes, and emotions have just reached this fever pitch, and it's like someone, someone screams out, and then they immediately feel bad about, but she's just like, no, this is how I feel, and and this is what I think, and and I'm gonna say this. And so I think that's just so interesting to me to kind of watch that, and it, it kind of helped draw me in a little bit. I, I did make a note that this is very firmly like kind of like a call your parents movie uh, after you watch it. Yeah, you know, like well, let me like take stock of like you know how how am I doing with my parents, <laughs> and you know maybe I want to check in with them and and see because. Um, there is like this, again, and I, you don't really ever get the sense that the grandpa like 
cares or, you know, or, or um, is really striving to connect. It's again, more of the same of just like, this is how I feel. And even if I wanted to connect, like, I don't know how to, um, and I, I, you know, I don't know the steps to take to, to begin to, you know, kind of mend these, these, these relationships and these, you know, these, these wounds that I've created. And it just, yeah, so it, it made for an interesting watch. I, I'll agree that it, it's a bit slow. It's a bit, you know, kind of just a, a family home movie. Um, but you know, end of the day, I think it's well done. And and if you're in if you're in that mindset of looking for like kind of a sentimental kind of family slow burn drama, uh, then then this is a watch for you. All right, Hunter, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of no holds barred. (laughs) No, I came in pretty strong there, but uh, I'll I'll reel it in a little bit. I, um, now this line is more associated with with breakups, but I think it applies to me in this movie. This is a, this is a, it's not you, it's me. (laughs) Because... I think the movie accomplishes everything it sets out to do, but there's nothing about the movie that I'm really drawn to. Like mm-hmm. uh, I understand the praise it receives, but the kind of you know slice of life minimalist you know cinema just isn't really up my my alley, which I don't think is you know, too much of a surprise. No, but <laughs> from uh, from the opening. I mean, where the characters are prepping and comparing root vegetables. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I, I'm, I'm pretty worried right now. I, I, I thought it would be a pretty tough viewing. But I do think there I mean, there's a lot here that I think, you know, audiences can relate to. I think that the. Conflicts that naturally occur with a generation gap. And, you know, the son not living up to his father's expectations and making the son also feel, I don't know if it's guilt about his brother's death, but just making him, making it clear they wish his brother was around and not him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it feels real. Like, I, I think the performances are good. I thought the guy who plays, is it, is Ryo the name of the main character? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was really good. Yeah, he's in and he's I, in a couple other Corrida films. He's 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 great. I like him too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I do think I mean it's shot in a pretty simple manner, but it has a couple kind of more cinematic moments. The camera now, Max, the camera does move around a little bit during that scene when the when the butterfly comes in to the house, right? That might have been yeah one of the because yeah I think I think what I was reading is like yeah, there's only a few. I think it was that one, and then and then like at the end. Yeah, and I, I do I appreciate like the filmmaker. I mean, you guys kind of touched on this, but he does keep everything kind of under the surface for the most part. I mean, there is some cruel lines, but Ryo, I mean, he doesn't. He never really like verbally expresses what he's feeling, does he? Not even to his mom after he is after she's kind of you know saying some pretty cruel things. You can kind of read his body language in his face a little bit, but yeah, he doesn't really come out and say anything, like express himself out loud or too much. Mm-hmm. He it's just has like, that one outburst, like yeah. where he spills his beer. Oh yeah, but that's really it, and that's that's mm-hmm. after like a bunch of needling. Yeah, it's interesting how the family attributes some of the things that he did as a kid that they like to the son who's gone too. Mm-hmm. No, that was me. That was not, mm-hmm. you know. Like, yeah, it's just. Or the embarrassing tough. things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's, that wasn't me. That was, yeah. Yeah, and there are moments that I liked. And, I, and like, John, I, I agree. Like, I think the end is pretty poignant. I mean, when, like, cutting from the father, you know, telling his wife that he thinks the son will come back for New Year's to uh, Ryo. I mean, Max, you must have loved this moment. This is almost like. Out, out of how to lose a guy in 10 days. Um, yeah. Uh, cutting back to the son, Ryo, telling his wife that they won't go back for New Year's and seeing his parents once a year is enough. 
Yeah. Like, that made me feel more than anything that had happened previously in the movie. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think is is very real. Like, I, I think there's a lot of people who, once their parents get to a certain age, I mean, maybe it is a chore to hang out with them. And, of course, in this instance, he has, <laughs> like, he has reasons to not want to see his parents because they, they make him feel terrible. But, um, and then, you know, it's followed up by, I think it's a voiceover, like right at the end where he says that, like the, the things that he promised he would do for his parents, he never ended up doing because they died within like three years, right? Yeah. They were going to go to a baseball game together and it just never happened. And there was something else too, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, he was going to like drive his mom. Yeah. Yeah. He never, never yeah. did drive her in, a, in his car. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, the, the ending I did think works but uh i gotta say another thing i liked about the ending is i i just got to turn off the tv (laughs) 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 no i feel bad i i don't want to you know trash this movie because i do think i'm just not like the the audience for this movie yeah and i i remember liking shoplifters i uh i saw that maybe i probably watched it the year it came out. I think it came out in 2018 or 2017. Yeah, that's much more your speed than this. It's like the more, like, act, I don't know, this is a lot more going on. Like, you can still tell it's the same kind of themes and style, but it's just it's just more to, it's just more something you'd be more receptive to, for sure. I could definitely see that. I didn't, you know, this is a first watch for me, but, and After the Storm is probably somewhere in the middle of the two, but I thought it was great. And this has another really the endings on both of those are just he's this guy knows how to end the film for sure so now shoplifters now when i saw parasite i remember thinking it reminded me of shoplifters did you get that same vibe yeah a little bit yep okay but yeah a couple i do have a couple other notes the uh the joy division poster really unexpected yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) and I did appreciate there there's a pachinko reference in here and yeah you guys may have um may have seen this but for anyone who hasn't seen Nicolas Cage's pachinko commercials <laughs> they are a must watch. Have you guys seen think, these? I don't think I have. No. Uh, go to uh, youtube.com <laughs> and just okay. google Nicolas Cage. Cage pachinko. Mm. The commercials are so good. I mean, they're I, I I love them. I think they're so funny. Is Pachinko kind of like a slot machine look to it, or no? I I don't know. I do think that it's somehow related to gambling, but I don't remember specifically what it is. I feel like I've seen Pachinko machines in Japanese films before, but. Maybe not if it's not a machine. <laughs> but something like, it's like a ball or something. I don't know. But I think that's what it is. That could be yeah, it. Definitely check out the uh, Pachinko, Nicolas Cage commercials. Really solid. Oh, this is um, good. I just pulled it up and just him at the piano with the sunglasses on. <laughs> yeah, it's like, a, it's like, a, it's like a, a machine you sit at, like a slot machine is. So that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really didn't have anything else to say. I thought um, it's well done. It just uh, wasn't really wasn't really up my alley. Understood. I I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> it is up my alley. And even I like this wasn't maybe in the mood for it that night or whatever. Mm, yeah. But I still, you know, I still think it was well done. And my rating isn't too harsh. So I guess we should rate this uh, this gentle giant. <laughs> yeah uh, john let's let's start with you what, what did you give it i was feeling 3.5 all the way through but then the ending was just really like you said poignant and uh, i'm a sucker for a good ending so i went 3.75 out of five mm. nice and max as always i'm the generous one i went four out of five all right now i'm i'm gonna give it a 2.5 <laughs> understandable it's a low rating, but 
I think that was my enjoyment level. So it's it's what I have to do. I just have yeah. to be true to myself. It's fair. Live your truth. Live that truth. All right. Well, moving on, Max, tell us what's your stand pick of the week. Well, speaking of downer families and just annoying kids and all that, we're going to go with Stella Dallas, uh, currently streaming on a couple of platforms. It's uh, directed by King Vidor. I think I said that right. I think you did. Uh, <laughs> and it's from 1937. It doesn't feel like 1937. Uh, but uh, Barbara Stanwyck, after divorcing a society man, uh, Stanwyck, a small-town woman, tries to build a better life for their daughter. Uh, it is on Prime and Canopy right now. And, you know, again, a nice, clean 106 minutes. It's uh, a solid family drama. And, yeah. If you're a if you're a Stan fan, you'll love this one. So Stella Dallas and John, do you have a uh, a free dream stream? Yes, um, I wouldn't say this is um, quite a bleak of the week level in bleakness, but it is a uh, creep on the cheap. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> Sleep Tight from 2011, directed by Jaume Balaguero. <laughs> uh, it is uh, the the synopsis is Cesar, an unhappy concierge, maintains a peculiar relationship with the very diverse inhabitants of the upper class apartment building where he works in Barcelona. This is a like a, it's a horror film. It's very creepy, and uh, it gets it's it it's it has a really good creepy mood to it. Um, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I thought it was very effective. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it'll 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 probably creep you out. Listen, it's uh, if you're gonna watch it before bed, and you're a woman, uh, I wouldn't recommend doing that. Actually, <laughs> that might be the bad time. I've had time to do it. Maybe you want to watch it in the morning, which is you know, uh, not the best. Sometimes it is the best time for. I'm all over the place with this with this analysis, but. Um, <laughs> it's an experience. I'll say that. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's a mood that <laughs> is very invasive. So, mm. have either of you guys seen this? I can't remember now. Is it? It's directed by the guy who did Wreck, right? Or one of the uh, guys? Yes, yes, it is. Okay. I yeah I don't think I have but I I might have because I know the title, and I even without looking it up I I kind of I vaguely remember the poster, but maybe I haven't I don't know where 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 is it streaming? Um, it's streaming on Canopy, Tubi, and Hoopla. Oh, nice, cool. Yeah, I might actually go back to this because I remember really enjoying it, but it's been quite a long time. I might have seen it like in 2013 or something, but it was a solid four out of five and four out of five for a horror film is a nice place to be. You can do it. Yeah. That's a, a good experience, you know? So yeah, I think it's worth watching. Nice. All right. And for a bleak of the week, this is probably my, uh, this is probably the biggest movie I've talked about uh, for a bleak of the week, but this is uh, flesh and blood. The Paul Verhoeven film. I love Paul Verhoeven. I, he's one of my favorite directors. And this one starts off pretty bleak and ugly. And it, <laughs> it doesn't get better for anyone. <laughs> so it, it, it opens with a bang, okay? A prostitute gives birth to a stillborn. And then it's all downhill from there. I mean, what? Downhill? Yeah. I mean... Nothing. Can, this is such an unpleasant movie. Like, oh boy, it's it's got quite a bit of violence and a lot of unpleasantries. It's it's been. A, I think I've watched it in the letterboxed era. I've maybe seen it in the last two or three years, 
But I'm pretty sure a dog meets a pretty terrible death. So, John. Oh, no. It's on my watch mm. list already. So, But thank you for the warning. I appreciate mm. that. I, you know, I still watch these things. But, gosh, it's tough. There's nothing redeeming about any of these characters. I, <laughs> I do think there's a lot to enjoy. I, this is not one of my favorite Verhoeven movies. But it is definitely his ugliest and bleakest movie, at least that I've seen. Um, I would say definitely check it out if you're in the mood for some medieval brutality. There is at least one, I'd say, kind of upsetting moment. Um, even more upsetting than what I've discussed so far. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think you said it all in the beginning when you said that a prostitute gives birth to a stillborn child and it all goes downhill from there. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. It's I a tough. That. It's a tough, unpleasant movie, but I think if you're a Verhoeven fan, I think it's I think it's worth checking out. And I have heard people compare it to, um, or not compare it to, but say that it's potentially an inspiration for Game of Thrones. Huh. Um, mm, which this is not. Which is weird because I I've Game of Thrones is a fantasy. Thing, right mm-hmm. yeah okay okay i've never seen it i but oh, okay um but yeah flesh and blood there's a i'd say it airs more on the side of reality a grim reality it's not a fantasy at all i mean there's there's a lot of grim stuff in game of thrones too so maybe that maybe the grim side of game of thrones is where they're getting this comparison from but uh mm-hmm. okay. i'll know more when i watch it which might be this week i'm in the mood for something really twisted <laughs> yeah it's an ugly movie it's a really ugly ugly film <laughs> i do love verhoeven so it's always an adventure with verhoeven i'll give i'll give him that yeah oh, for sure yeah all right gonna, i mean uh, oh go ahead you're not gonna fall asleep from boredom no definitely not <laughs> all right so tune in next week for our review of vittoria de sica's sunflower and then that brings us to uh, John. Are you ready with our social media? I am. Uh, on Instagram, we're semi underscore cinematic. On Facebook, it's semi cinematic pod, all one word. On Twitter, it's semi underscore cinematic. And on Letterboxd, it's semi cinematic, one word. And I've added um, a few lists to our account. Um, all of Hunter's Bleak of the Weeks, all of Max's stand picks, and all of my free streams, as well as a list of all the featured reviews we've done so far. So if you're behind and need to catch up, it's an easy way to access the films and see where they're streaming, or if you have to pay, how much money you have to pay to watch the films that we're talking about. And uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, yeah. we'll. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk again next week. My first Sophia Loren next week. Ooh, can't wait. I know. See ya. Bye.